We're in First Timothy. We're down to verse 9. We're going to read 9 and 10 and then expound on them a little bit. But verse 8 said, But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. It's referring to the law of Moses and what was included under the Old Covenant. Realizing the fact that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for those who are lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, and for those who kill their fathers and mothers, for murderers, verse 10, for immoral men and homosexuals and kidnappers and liars and false witnesses and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching. I like it when Paul names all the sins many times in Ephesians and says, if you practice these things, you'll not inherit heaven. And he does the same thing at the end. He'll say, and such things. A lot of people think if the thing isn't listed, they can do it. Well, cannibalism isn't listed. Child molesting isn't listed. All kinds of things are not listed because they were so gross and perverse that thought the common sense people would realize they didn't have to be put in there. So this is whatever's contrary to holiness, whatever's of wickedness is what's to be included in here. So the law was not intended originally for righteous people who are living and living a life of good conduct. But it was to warn and restrain those who are drawn toward evil by their corrupt nature and evil desires. It's to put a standard. So when people break the law, call it transgression. It means you go beyond a certain point. So you're told this is it. You can't go no further, then it becomes sin. And so that's what transgression is. You live a righteous conduct, a morally upright life. You be a good citizen. And when you stop doing that, then you've transgressed the laws of God and of society. Okay. So it was put because they knew that we would be drawn towards sin. There is no laws like this in heaven. They're not needed. There's no corrupt nature. There's no evil. The angels always do the will of the Father. There's no conflict. So he's just letting us know that the law was to reveal and expose wicked deeds and helpfully to warn people not to do them. So those without control, lawlessness, and anarchy, that's a bad state to be in. Governments collapse when that happens. No matter what kind of government, some government's better than no government. When people have complete independence, it becomes a license to sin, a license to do what they please. So independence isn't always good. Actually, it was one of the first sins is when Lucifer said the five, I will do this and do that. He was supposed to be the light bearer, and he wanted to be the light. So once he became independent of God, that's when sin was originated, okay? So the ungodly and sinner is being shown that if he has no regard for their duty to a righteous God, things are going to happen. Unpure and perverse souls. He names many sins, murderers, immoral, homosexuals, kidnappers, false witness, anything contrary to sound teaching. And we've said this before, and most people that claim to be Christians have no understanding 
They teach theology. They study scripture. And most of them don't know the Lord. They come out of seminary and they can quote scripture and that they have no relationship with the Lord. Because sound teaching basically is to lead to righteous and holy living. So if they're not obeying the sound teaching, they've just got mental assent. They've agreed to something. And the majority of masses of Christians at Judgment Day are going to be saying, Lord, Lord. They think he's their Lord. They think they're Christians. And Jesus will say, I never knew you. You workers of lawlessness, you're cursed of my father. Yet they thought he was their Lord. See, because they had some mental knowledge of Christianity and observed a few rules and traditions, but they didn't follow the Lord or obey him. And as Jesus said to the disciples, he said, why call me Lord, Lord, if you don't do what I tell you? Because he is not their Lord. Disobedient, rebellious people who claim to be Christians or once were Christians or they're false Christians because God doesn't accept them. Oh, I used to counsel many, and they try to convince me that they were a Christian, but right now I'm just not following the Lord, or I'm having an affair, or I'm doing something that I know is evil, so the Lord's not on my throne. No, he's not in your life. You're a child of the devil. You've forsaken the way, and you need to repent, or you're on your way to the lake of fire. See, people argue with you and try to pacify it and confirm people in peace when they're wicked people. And the Lord says, there is no peace for the wicked. So they lie to themselves and deceive themselves. And so that's why Paul named all these sins. Instead of, if you practice this, if that's your habit, your lifestyle. He wasn't talking about falling into sin and repenting and dealing and doing what's right before God. He said, you're making a habit of this. So if you make a habit of this, that's your lifestyle. And that's your character. And if your character is like that, your destiny is the lake of fire. That's where all wickedness and wicked beings are going to be consigned. So showing sound teaching is to lead away from all these perverse things. It is to sound doctrine is teaching. So we can take teaching or doctrine is not merely knowledge and information. We have to have that. That's the foundation. We're told what to do and not to do through the scripture. But until we act on it, it has no value. And that's why when Jesus talked to all the disciples and went through many parables, he said, have you heard what I said? Have you? And they said, yeah. And then he said, well, blessed are you if you do it. There was no blessing in not doing what you were told. And then he talked about building on the sand and build on a rock. So he said, you're building on the sand if you're listening to the word, and yet you're not putting it into practice. You have no spiritual standing. So hearing is not enough. Mental belief is not enough. Saying, Lord, Lord, is not enough. You have to follow and obey the Lord and be led of the Spirit, or you've got false Christianity, and many people have that, and they don't want to hear it. See, they want to live their lives They don't want to be punished, but they want enough to stay on God's good side. But the lukewarm will be vomited out of God's system and cast into the lake of fire because he ain't putting up with it. So there is no, and you hear people, well, I don't want to be a religious fanatic, but then you're going to hell. There's no other place for you. A fan means a follower, 
a strict follower of someone. And if you're not a strict follower of Jesus, you're not going to make it into the kingdom. That's plain and simple, okay? So we have to listen and get mental knowledge and study the Word. That's what we're to do for instruction. But it does no good if we don't act on it. Oh, I know people who said they've read the Bible a hundred times. Their lifestyle proves they don't know the Lord. It hasn't done them a bit of good. Some of them were Bible teachers, and they can quote Scripture, and they can teach some good things, but they're on the way to hell doesn't impress God, okay? So knowledge in itself is empty, it's vain, if it's not put into action. So this is where James and Paul are in perfect agreement. Without spiritual works, obedience, and fruitfulness, you have no faith. James would say, your faith is dead. Paul would say, whoever you follow, that's who your master is. He said, if you obey sin, then eternal death is waiting for you. So he says, shall we sin because we're under grace? He calls that a lying grace, if you think that's true. He said, God forbid, may it never be. He said, don't you know it's whoever you obey, that's who your master is. That sounds like James, doesn't it? But that was Paul. And he was telling you what's going to be the end of each one of them. Okay. So the word is to show us how to live what to do, what not to do, and the Christian gets the help and the aid of the Holy Spirit to do these things. We are yoked with him. We cannot produce moral righteousness in our heart. People can be outwardly moral and outwardly seem like a nice citizen, but God considers them corrupt. He considers them idolatrous because they're not living for him. Uh, Many people do good things because they want to be praised. The Pharisees would give lots of money And God said they had their reward. They wanted the attention of people, said, oh, isn't that wonderful? They could not do anything as unto the Lord. They had to be reciprocated. People like that who always expect people to thank them and be nice for what they do. Christianity doesn't claim that. It says we're to do it as unto the Lord, and we have to leave that to God. If you live that way, it means you're not living for the Lord. You're living for your selfish desires, your own pride, and vanity. And there's a lots of people doing that. Okay. So passive faith or belief just imparts truth. It just gives you knowledge of something. But that's nice. You're told to do something. And either you do it or you don't do it. That's passive faith. Passive faith, you believe Jesus died on a cross and resurrected, but you're not, he's not your Lord. You're not following him. You're not being led of the Spirit. You have a mental understanding, and the devils have that and tremble. They know who Jesus is. They know he's the Holy One of God. He's Jehovah. They know that, but it don't save them, now does it? They knew a lot more than the disciples knew during Jesus' lifetime until the very end. They didn't understand things. The demons from the beginning says, we know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. You're Jehovah. They didn't comprehend that in the beginning. They thought he's the son of God, he's a prophet, he's a teacher. They still didn't have a full understanding of who he was. And he said, when the spirit comes, he will reveal this to you. See, their minds, and Jesus hid things from them until the appropriate time so they wouldn't interfere with what he was doing. Okay, so sound teaching is not 
merely knowledge and information. Active faith and belief has to obey and it has to work. So spiritual works is obedience and fruitfulness. So when people say it's all grace and not works, they're liars and false teachers. It's all Jesus. It's all God. No, it isn't. Because if you don't yield to him, you don't produce fruit. And he's not going to produce fruit in spite of you. The vine gives life to the branches. And the combination and the union produce the fruit. And when they cease doing that, the father cuts the branch off and says, you're cursed, you're no longer part of my son. See, there is no once saved, always saved, or assurance that whatever you do, God's going to find a way. No, because you're not special. If he consigned one-third of the angels to the lake of fire, and they must have known God a lot better than any human has, do you think you're any better than them? Not so. Okay, he is the Lord that changes not. He demands holiness, and he gives the ability for people to, he said, be perfect as your Father in heaven is. He wouldn't say that if he did. People think he's just spouting stuff. He expects that. Perfection is walking in completeness, walking in the truth you have, following the Lord. That's what God expects. He don't expect people to be blameless and perfect in every issue. That's why we have a high priest. But nowhere in the scripture, in the epistles, does God ever excuse sin and say, well, we're just human. That don't happen. You will not find that in any scripture. He said it's enough if the disciple be as his master. And that means following the Lord the best of your knowledge as he did and doing what he tells you and keeping short accounts if you fail in sin, you deal You confess and repent and do whatever the Lord requires. That's why we're given a high priest, okay? As long as we live in this world, we contend with the world, the flesh, and the devil. The old man is always trying to draw us back. The corrupt nature, its potential is always there. People say, well, he was judged. Yeah, but he wasn't judged in you. Until you put him to death and keep him down, its mental knowledge has no effect. See, that's all the lying grace and faith teaching. And Peter said they were twisting Paul's writings, he said, to their own damnation, to their own destruction. He said, as they do all scripture. Peter was calling the epistles of Paul scripture. And he said they were already twisting it back then, saying, oh, if you have faith and grace, you don't have to worry about anything anymore. Uh, Well, that lying teacher is there from the beginning because the devil's been there trying to pervert the gospel since the beginning. Okay? So fruitfulness to a Christian is obeying, bearing fruit, and spiritual works. So if you don't have spiritual life and works, you don't have fruit. You don't have Jesus. You have mental assent. And the majority of professing Christians are going to go to hell, and Jesus is going to say, I never knew you at Judgment Day. They deceived themselves. They didn't want the truth. They excused their sins. They thought they were honoring God, and they were insulting God by putting everything on him and living like the devil. That's a total insult to the spirit of grace. Now look at Philippians 2. We've been there many times. 
every tongue, this is 11, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory and honor of the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed the apostolic teaching, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. See, he didn't want lip service and them pleasing him when he was there and then going back to their own ways when he left, okay? Work out your own salvation with fear and tremble. The word is you work out. He didn't say you believe. He said work out. That means to obey and follow and trust. And it says with fear and trembling, with a proper respect of God, If you've got his salvation and you're living in sin, you need to fear and tremble because God can judge you at any time and you would not make it into the kingdom of heaven. So he's warning people. 13, for it is God who works in you and he's working it both to will and to do of his good pleasure. The new man wants to do the will of God. When we are born again and regenerated and Jesus joins and unites with our spirit, it has a willingness to obey God. But you still have your will and you still have to contend with the corrupt nature. And so you have to make decisions and choices. But it says God works in you and he can will in your new man. He cannot will you to disobey him. He doesn't strengthen that part of you. Your personality, your spirit, soul is you, and it always has a will. It can always obey and follow, or it can disobey and go back to the world. God does not override that will. It's not automatic. So they think, well, God's going to do it all. No, he's not going to. If you think that, you're going to be deceived and wake up in the lake of fire one day. Okay, so to do it, and what the word means, both to will and to do means to work for his good pleasure. So the Spirit is helping us please the Father, giving us the ability to follow Jesus, strengthening our spirit. But our outward uh, mind and our will have to comply with him. And that's our choice. He doesn't override that. There is no irresistible grace. You obey or you disobey. You are led of the Lord as long as you follow him. You have eternal life as long as you have Christ. But you stop bearing fruit and following him and become fruitless. The Father will cut you off. That means you're no part of Christ anymore, and you will be burned eventually. He's making it very plain if people want to see the truth. But people love to twist scripture because they don't want to hear that. They want something pleasant. Oh, God loves me unconditionally, and I don't have to worry about anything. Well, you're going to be highly disappointed at the day of judgment, and you will be weeping and gnashing your teeth in eternity, knowing how stupid you were and how hopeless it is, and you will experience the wrath of God for eternity. So that's what people don't want to hear. See, people want to think, well, no matter what, God loves me. No, he doesn't. He has goodwill. That's the love. They're thinking of just an affection, a feeling, like because their papa and mama spoiled them and let them do what they wanted. They think God's like that. No, he's not. Uh, The love of God, John said, is to keep his commandments. So if you say you love God and you're not following the Lord, the Lord himself, John said, you're a liar and the truth's not in you. 
He made it very plain. He said, if you're of the flesh and the eyes and the pride of life, John says, the love of God is not in you. The Father's not in you. Okay, so people need to understand that and stop deceiving themselves. So contrary to sound doctrine, he names all of these sins. Then in verse 11, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God for which I have been entrusted. So he's naming that, and now he's telling us that God's called him. He's calling him blessed because he showed grace and mercy, and Paul understood the evil he did, even though it was ignorant. And he did, we'll see, show God showed mercy because of much of his ignorance but he still had murdered Christians. That's the worst thing you can do on this planet. All the judgments of the nations, the goat and sheep is going to be according to how they treated God's children or how they didn't treat them. The greatest tribulations and wrath of God being poured out during the tribulation period is because they killed the prophets and disciples of Christ. That's what the greatest punishment is going to be. Okay? So we're seeing sound teaching is from and is from the glorious gospel of God. The gospel is not just the beginning. People think the gospel is a salvation message. Your whole life is working salvation. One-time experience don't prove nothing. You can lose that. See, they think, oh, at least I'm saved. No, you're not. You begin the race, you better finish it. You'll see many things. So you've been lied to by false shepherds, giving you false assurance. That's just the beginning of the gospel. And we must continue in the gospel until the end of our life or until the Lord comes. So it's not just the beginning of the salvation call. It is a life living in the Lord's will and commandments. That's what's required. We live under probation. People don't like that. It means we are being evaluated. And if we're faithful to the end, then we get final salvation. If we forsake the Lord after 10 or 15 years, we lose Christ and our judgment will be eternal fire. He makes it very plain what's going to happen. The scripture is plain to the righteous and those who want to live right. It is not plain to the wicked. The wicked shall never understand. And the demons will deceive them and let them believe their lies because they don't want the truth. And that's God's punishment on them. He'll send a lying spirit. People say, well, they're going to haggle over whether he sends it or allow. It don't matter. It's within his will. If you do not follow the spirit of truth, then he lets, even if it's permissive will. In some cases, it's his direct will to punish certain evildoers. That's his right to do that. Okay? One begins a race. It is not over until one finishes the race. See, people say, well, I've arrived and now I'm saved. Everything else is just works. That's a lying gospel, okay? So, so much for the what I call the greasy grace. Once saved, always saved salvation. It's a doctrine of the devil, okay? Jesus said, he that endures to the end would be saved. Not the one that finished, goes halfway, and then forsakes the Lord. The Lord himself said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the angels of God. He makes it very plain. 
if you forsake me, the scripture says, God says, and cry, I will forsake you. See, he doesn't forsake us. Nothing can separate us from God if we're walking in him. But if we're not, he himself will forsake us. He will not sustain a wicked person who refuses to follow him. So remember, the people who are coming with the Lord in one of his judgments, they are the called, the chosen, and the faithful. The call is many are called to salvation. Everybody, to a sense, they don't get the gospel message, but they're called by their conscience and by nature itself. And the light they have, God will judge them accordingly. But those who've got the call of the gospel and have been given to them, then they have to choose. Before they're chosen, they have to choose to repent and confess and come to the Lord. Then they're chosen. People think, oh, they were chosen before the foundation. That's a bunch of foolishness. The holy angels that did not sin are called the elect angels, the chosen. They stayed that way. They choose not to go with one-third of the angels in their rebellion. And so they're called special, elect. They just stayed in their position. And they're still holy, okay? But notice uh, what he says. People talk about called and chosen. Uh, They often don't use the last word, and faithful. If you're not faithful to the Lord, your call and your chosen position is forfeited. That's what it means for the branch to be cut off from the vine. means if the life of Christ is not flowing in you to produce fruit anymore, and the Father looks at it and gives it enough time to repent and straighten out and rewards them and deals, and then when they keep rebelling and refuse to do it, he cuts them off. They're no longer a part of Christ. They're twice dead. The judgment will be far greater than the normal sinner because they've crucified Christ twice, okay? So there has to remain in God to be faithful and persevere with Christ to the end. That's what Scripture teaches. It gives no false assurance to people. That's why it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. See, a lot of people think they're saved. They think they have the Lord, and the majority of them don't in the dark times we live in, and it's going to get worse. And billions, two billion people claim to be Christians, and very few of them are, but they believe they are, but they're deceived. Uh They don't bear fruit. They don't follow the Lord. They live in their own selfish lives for self-gratification, okay? So it's not the beginners in Christ that get final salvation, but the finishers of the race, the warfare, and the pilgrimage of Christ. Now remember on the churches that Jesus gave the message to in Revelation, he said, if you overcome, I'll make you a pillow, a fixed pillow in my Father's temple, and you will not go in and out anymore. That's when your salvation is final. You're in Christ. If you read the end, when he talks of the temple there, but at the end, he said, God and the Lamb are the temple. So if you make it into that realm, you are fixed in God as the angels are, the righteous angels. There's no sin. There's no old nature. You'll be there for eternity. But until then, you're not fixed. He's not made you a pillar. 
as long as you continue in Christ, you have eternal life. And when you cease following him, you do not. He will forsake the backslider eventually, okay? He will not put up with people living in gross sin and claiming to be a Christian because if they die in that state, they're going to hell. Now in Ezekiel, that scripture still applies. The Lord said at any time, I pronounce good concerning a people or a nation and they start to do evil, I will relent or repent of the good I intended to do them. And he says that if the righteous man, in the day that he sins, if he dies, his righteousness will not be remembered anymore. And he says, and the day that the wicked turn to the Lord and repent, if they die that day, he says their wickedness will not be remembered. So God's a God of the now. He's not going to look at all the stuff you did in the past. He's going to say, how are we doing now? Is Christ master now? Is he the Lord now? I don't care how many experiences you had or how many times Jesus talked to you and you saw him in his glory. You're going to hell if you do not continue with the Lord. Okay? And that is our probation salvation. We have it. It can be lost. It can be forfeited by ceasing to follow the Lord and doing what he says. But in heaven, it's fixed. We will be fixed in God as the holy angels are. Actually, Jesus said we will be like the angels who always behold the face of my Father. It means they see him in their mind and spirit, don't matter where they are in the universe. They're not standing before a throne staring at a fixture. He is everywhere, and he makes himself real, and he reveals himself. And like John says, we shall know him as we are known. He's talking about experience. And he said, we'll be like the angels. So they always have that presence of God, no matter what they're doing. If they're on the earth serving and ministering, they're aware of God as much as if they were in heaven because God is everywhere. Heaven in its ultimate position is God himself. Everything else is secondary, okay? People have a lot of false concepts of what they think heaven is. It's not going to be what they think it is because they're limited to an earthly realm. Uh Eternal life is to know God and Jesus Christ. He means experience. He means relationship. That's what it's going to be, and that's what it is. It's tied up in God and not things, okay? So Paul, he is instructed with this glorious gospel as an apostle, a teacher, and a preacher. Basically, an apostle could do any ministry beneath them when necessary. But they were pioneers. They were forerunners. They went to areas where the gospel had not been proclaimed and established believers and what we call church groups, and then he moved on. They didn't get people saved and just leave them. You don't get a baby born and then put him out in the street and says, well, that's okay if he dies, at least he's born again. That's a doctrines of devils by a lot of Calvinistic people. There's no such teaching in Scripture. If a babe don't feed on the milk of the word and isn't serious before the Lord and doesn't have proper instruction, he's going to fall away, and it's his responsibility. Regardless of the teacher and the minister, no one 
is going to be without excuse saying, well, I didn't have this, I didn't have that. The Lord will judge their motive and intent and what they wanted. And if they'd wanted to serve him, they could have at the level that they understood. So he was entrusted with it. And as he said, a curse on me, woe, if I do not fulfill the calling, okay? God did not ask the prophets of the Old Testament if they wanted to be prophets. He didn't ask them if they approved of his calling. We have no vote on it. God doesn't run a democracy, okay? He received it with grace to do it. You either get grace to do it or you rebel. And when God called Moses, he tried to excuse himself and God got angry with him. And he straightened him out very quickly. But he let him know, I'm not asking your opinion. You're going to do this if you're mine. And so we need to understand that. I've had people tell me, well, I prayed and the Lord asked me to do this. I said, you're full of baloney. He asked you nothing. You do it or you don't do it. You don't understand lordship. He's not pacifying you. See, people misunderstand thinking they have some special standing. They don't have no special standing outside of Christ and obeying him, okay? That's why I've got so many deceived, pampered, lied to people who think they're Christians, and they're not. So many babes and novices do not move or mature quickly. Eventually, they'll fall away. If you're a baby Christian after 10 or 20 years, you're a false Christian or you're a backslider. I don't care. If you've got a Bible and you're serious with the Lord, you can be mature. All of these other ministries help, and they make it easier. But God will deal with you. He dealt with prisoners and Christians who have been in prison for 10 or 20 years for the gospel, and they didn't have nobody. They didn't even have the scripture, and they stayed faithful to the Lord. So there are babes and novices that don't mature quick enough and they're not faithful in what they've been given, and yet they're always wanting bigger ministry. They want to be a teacher. They want to be a pastor. They want to be this and that. They want it out of self-glory and self-gratification. They don't really want it for God. They lie to themselves. Oh, I want to do this for the glory of God. If you say to them, are you ready to be beat every day for it? Most of them say, well, I don't think I want that ministry. Well, that's what Paul did. And so, with the call comes responsibility and consequences. So many novices and Christians that want bigger ministry, God cannot give it to them because he'd have to judge them. He'd say, you're not even faithful in what I'm telling you to do. You've not learned to be faithful in little, and therefore you will not be given more. Because if I give you more, I'll have to judge you for disobedience. You'll have to give an account. So if people understood that more, they wouldn't be seeking ministry. Those who seek great ministries usually aren't worthy of it. They serve the Lord, and then God begins to instruct them and tells them what they can pursue and what they cannot pursue or what's not for them. That's God's decision. So we should do faithfully what we know we're to do, okay? and no more. Okay, Intellect and knowledge does not qualify one for ministry. See, today it does. 
I have people used to tell me they went to seminary. Well, you don't understand the Greek and Hebrew. I said, you don't understand the English because you perverted the Greek and Hebrew. And I've got 10 translations and they're on both sides. And I don't need your Greek and Hebrew. The Bible didn't say go and learn Greek and Hebrew. Uh -huh. It's common sense to the Christian. God makes the gospel plain. There's no great mysteries. You don't have to go to seminaries to learn anything. You study your Bible and you learn something. Uh -huh. And most of them that come out of seminary are just promoting a denominational slant, which often is false. And if ministers adhere to it, they're going to hell because they're putting the traditions of man above the word of God. They're emphasizing what God does not emphasize and underemphasizing what God once said. So we need to go back to Scripture and judge things by that. And the people who often talk about their great education, that alone proves they're arrogant and unteachable. And so God allows them to be deceived. Oh, I've met some people who quote Scripture. They study this and that, and they're not even saved. They're like the Pharisee. The Pharisee considered the common people cursed because they don't know the law. Well, it's because you didn't give it to them properly. That's how Jesus was going to judge them. Okay. So that does not qualify a person. Obedience to what is given, that qualifies for God to give people more ministry and more responsibility. We have to be faithful. They have to give an account of our lives before the Lord. All of our works and ministries are going to be judged for rewards, a lack of rewards in eternity. Uh -huh. But you have to live holy and pure and follow the Lord to make it into the kingdom, even if you don't have any big viable ministry. That'll get you there. You'll be saved by fire. But saved by fire is not living in gross sin and saying, oh, I'm born again and it's all grace. That's the lying gospel. Uh -huh. So we need to see obedience and following in what we have, then God gives more. And he said, and those many, what they even have will be taken from them because they are unfaithful. They will be punished and some will lose their salvation because they are perverting the scripture. They're not getting instruction by the Lord. The devil gets in there and they're propagating lies. And a lot of false teachers are deceived. Oh, some of them know they're con artists, but many of them believe they're telling you the truth and they believe a lie. Let's go ahead and take a break here.